Welcome in, guys, to the Dogs Football Podcast. Here we are, another episode on this Friday, November 19th, one day before the end of our regular season. I'm Nick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. Noah, the regular season is about over, but that means that we're, there's a playoff berth on the line, and that means we're close to playoffs. Yeah, it's a special day, especially for those guys that have been here for so long. It's senior day, and it's a good time to send them out. Um, Hopefully not their final home game, but uh, their final regular season home game. Yeah, it's. I think it'll be an emotional day, and we've talked about how with our work that we will not be able to be there, unfortunately. With it being a noon game, if they were <clears throat> later games, we'd be able to make it. We'd, we would love to see how they honor all these players, uh, and a lot of these guys will be playing with something to, you know, in a way it's good that we're playing a down opponent, per se, so that these guys can show out and hopefully – it can look like a big victory at the end of it. So, yeah, we do play Youngstown State. We will preview them here in the end. Uh, they only have, I think, like one win on this season, in the, especially in conference. Where do they have any in conference? Don't tell me. They have one. Yeah, they're like one and six. So, <clears throat> yeah, we will get to them. We have some other – we have some interviews to talk about. Another bracketology, a couple of recruits that will be at the game, and some other stuff. No, we talked about it on the basketball one. We'll talk about it here because we mentioned it on a football one back in the <clears throat> in the past. So we know there's listeners that listen to basketball that don't listen to football, vice versa. Fans of either or from where from wherever they are. And no, it came out a couple of days ago as we talked about Jeff Hansen, who's the swim and dive coach for women's or for both, but for women's. And uh, we know about the scandal that happened months back of two players that remain anonymous. We're speaking out that he was uh, verbally and emotionally, I guess, abusing them, and that came out. It was a big deal. Led to the firing of <clears throat> Liz Jarnigan, and over this time, nothing happened to Jeff uh, Hansen. So we were wondering, and we actually talked about it the day that it broke. We were talking about how nothing had happened to him yet, uh, but Noah came out a couple days ago that he has been acquitted of everything, so that it's almost like nothing even happened, which is, is kind of strange overall. Yeah, it... it... Yeah, the investigation didn't um, didn't come to anything, and it, yeah, it's it's a really strange of especially that somebody uh, somebody like the AD lost their job and out of this and all that. But yeah, it's it's a very strange situation. There was a statement by Matt Kupek, who we know is the interim AD. He said, or they announced on Wednesday the outcome of an investigation and allegations about the conduct of swimming down coach Jeff Hansen. Clearing him, of, clearing him of any wrongdoing, quote, the university's Title IX office completed a thorough investigation into allegations of inappropriate behavior by Coach Hansen and determined them to be substantiated. So it is weird, and it, like I said, it was ironic that we were just talking about it, but no, as we know, obviously, there, there was that meeting that they said they had in October of, the, of last year that talked about it, but it was kind of swept under the rug. Nobody did anything about it until it broke almost a year after the fact, so it broke probably two months ago, we'd say. Like, it was around the time that we played SEMO, at SEMO to kick off our season, because we saw Liz Jarnigan there. It was before the Kansas State game that Liz Jarnigan got fired because of this. So now that we know that it was fake and that we're realizing that the only reason she got fired was because she had hit it, whether it was, obviously, now it's untrue. No one knew that at the time, but she never did anything about it. So when it came out and there was just the accusations that obviously it's a big deal. It's what led to her firing, but Noah could have been an easy administrative leave, you know, not just a right away firing or a buyout that costs money. 
Yeah, we've seen the soccer coach get put on leave before his firing. The the swim coach, Hanson, did not even get put on leave. I figured during this investigation, you'd want that kind of thing so they could do their research and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's like I said on the basketball podcast, uh, her, this happened. She didn't, she didn't jump. She was kind of um, didn't move fast enough on this thing. Then she hired that compliance officer with a show cause and – yeah, I think, just in my opinion, what we heard about her and Chancellor Lane not seeing eye to high, I think he used this against her and just got her out of his way. Potentially, and that's a crummy way to have that happen, regardless whether she deserved to be fired for hiding it in general. Uh, and you, you, know, you bring up Chancellor Lane, and he's been the Chancellor since last July of 2020. And like we said, that meeting happened in October. We're wondering why he wasn't you know, in attendance at that meeting. Uh, to know about it himself, even though that was only about three or four months on the job. But, you know, right away that seemed like something that should happen. Yeah, even if he wasn't there, he would should be told about this kind of stuff. Yeah, so they were hiding it from the higher-ups from this. And like we said, Liz done a great job in <clears throat> what she did here in this time. It was kind of blindsided us. We got the chance to talk to her at Dogwood Social over in SEMO. Great person. She did great things. It's unfortunate that that happened. Uh, so, yeah, and we know Matt Kupek's done a really good job, and we, we saw them at the basketball Arkansas State game, him and Chancellor Lane. So, yeah, kind of crummy that it all came out and the fact that it's apparently untrue. So, just overall, just kind of strange. So, we wanted to get we wanted to talk about this because in regards to the athletics in itself, it's looked bad over the course of these last couple months, and now that it's still – or now that it's over, per se, that it's still in the mind. Some people still make us look a little bad. but Because uh, we talked about it on the last one months ago, we thought – Again, uh, so now that's out of the way. Uh, Noah Nick Hill was on in the doghouse on Monday. I haven't got a chance to listen to it yet. Did you? And what's your take on it? Yeah, I listened to it Monday. Then I re-listened to it today since it's been a while. And uh, since I heard it Monday night, yeah, they just talked about what tomorrow is going to mean, especially um, since it's senior day and those guys is first class. And uh, he just talked about um, he appreciates and just uh, cares for those guys so much. They trusted in a 30-year-old 30 30-year-old 30 coach to come in here and come play for him. And uh, I think it was Dave McKenzie. Um, I think it was Dave McKenzie that was on for, for Murph. But uh, he, he said, what's it like? Because he put it in perspective of, yeah, these, these guys that first came to play for you, uh, have been you have been with them for a quarter of their life. And he's like, yeah, I, didn't even, I haven't even thought about it that way, but that's pretty crazy. Yeah, and they just talked about that. Yeah, then they asked him a couple questions about if he even looks looks at who's in, who's out in the playoff picture, but he doesn't even look at that. And he's focused on Youngstown State and ready for a big day tomorrow. Yeah, and he answered that kind of at the presser on the or in the past, definitely that he's almost like a look forward guy, doesn't bother, doesn't listen to anything else that happens because he's used to cliche that if you look past anybody or think anything about anybody about anything even. No specifics there, obviously, but then he'll say that you'll get beat if you if you put your mind elsewhere other than the thing ahead of what you're looking to do. So, uh, yeah, that and he's right. You know, he he's deemed a big old leader for all these players, and we'll get to in a little bit of the more camaraderie they've had and what some time they've been able to spend together. Coach Hill's been uh, definitely a big part in their lives, not only physically but emotionally <clears throat> as well. So we'll get to that here in a second. Uh, Noah Mike had a tweet about Nick Baker. It seems like he always has these tweets about certain people, but he has one about Nick. 
that he is second in single-season passing touchdowns at SIU with 24. He's fourth in single-season pass completions, fifth in single-season passing yards, sixth in single-season completion percentage at 64.8, and he's tenth in single-season pass attempts, uh, which I think will, since it's only the end of the season, if they count playoffs, that he'll expand that. We're kind of surprised because he's thrown it a lot, especially recently and in general this season. And he said, most importantly, with a win over Youngstown, Tomorrow, potentially, Baker will be SIU's winningest single-season quarterback with eight since Chris Diker uh, QB SIU to nine wins in 2008. So, or Deaker, sorry. So, definitely a lot of things on the line for Nick Baker, and we know he's uh, he's uh, had a one of, one of those seasons that would rem- like put him in the record books for a lot of this stuff. Uh, so there's that, and I wanted to actually, yeah. Now that we segue into the fact that the team had their team picture. Just a couple days ago, everybody was there. Uh, it's a nice picture. And then Noah, speaking of those seniors we just mentioned, seniors and some former players, which we'll get to that in a second, were at Coach Hill's house yesterday for a big old dinner, it looks like. And there's a solid at least 15 players there. So that was a huge dinner. Yeah, it was a, it's great to see. He does this every year with the seniors um, on the Thursday. I think he says the Thursday before senior day. So, yeah, great comp. Great, great turnout. Uh, I'm glad to see it's a it's a family atmosphere here, just not a football team. So that's great to see. Yeah, and Coach Hill's got – we know he's had the players over at his house riding four-wheelers doing all that stuff. So that's the things we love to see and how family-oriented they are. So that's great to see, Noah. And let's jump into those former players that he also made a tweet about who were based from Orlando – and coming back to visit, knowing we, we're having trouble figuring out who these players are. There's three of them in particular. But we're thinking we have a we have an idea maybe who one of them is. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh looking at them, I tried to think right off the right off the back who we thought they were, but uh now that I'm thinking about it, the guy we think who it is, he's the one that made made the suit, I think, maybe. Whitney uh Yeah, Whitney Simon. I think that sounds about right. Yeah, I think I think that's yeah. We're not 100 sure. We're just because honestly, it's hard to tell because you said you went back. We both went back and to the years to try to like point them out. You know, especially it had to been under Nick's tenure, which has been. I mean, he was the OC in '15 before he was head coach. So I guess uh, even going back to that time, we couldn't really figure that out. So uh, it'd be great if he tagged them because we even looked to see who retweeted and liked it. We couldn't like iron it down. Usually we're good at iron. Roman Tatum That's quoted not... it 18 minutes ago. Okay. I'm not sure. Look at his profile picture. I can't tell. It's a really dark profile picture, but I think it may be the guy on the couch. So Roman Tatum is one of them. Okay. Um, so yeah, like we said, it was hard for, no- for us to notice. Uh, we hope he would have, or wish he would have tagged them for us to have a better idea. Obviously, nobody that totally sticks out. You know, these guys probably had, you know, good, you know, nice careers, but we would be able to tell if they were like the stars of when they were here. So that was great. Yeah, some more camaraderie. Uh, now, Noah, before we get into some other things, we do have, as we mentioned, two uh, recruits that are going to the game tomorrow. I think it. Yeah, I think. Uh, uh, I think one is. I think all these. These are local guys. Oh, yeah, there's more, right? They have Maybe. been no, – I think there's three off the top of my head. But Brock Baker, he's a 2023 guy from Johnson City. Um, then the other is the Harrisburg tackle for 2022, Cooper Phelan. Uh, both these guys have been there before, and I thought there was one, another one, maybe the kid from Christopher, but I can't see it 
off our feed, but I guess we don't have it. But yeah, it's a lot of our guys. Hopefully, a lot of the guys we're in on are still playing. We know uh, six of our eight commits are still playing this weekend. So yeah, yeah. Some <clears throat> we know some of them got some hardware. If they can get the utmost hardware, that'd be great. Uh, so yeah, those guys, those two recruits don't have to go far for to go to the game tomorrow. As some that we know have. Uh, so did you want to go over those six guys in their games? Or did you have that at all? Yeah, I do have that. Uh, but first, uh, a big shout-out to Ryan Schwindeman. They posted today that uh, he's been selected the second-team all-conference on both offense and defense, the team captain. He's a three-year starter on both sides of the ball for them. So big, big career, big record-breaking career for him at St. Dominic. And uh, speaking of St. Dominic, they have moved on, and uh, they play tomorrow – Events a very good football team who they lost to 47-13 earlier this year, but it's a playoff. They got film on them, so uh, St. Dominic has continued a good, strong season. So uh, they play tomorrow, but the rest of our guys are playing tonight that are still uh, with seasons alive. The biggest one is uh, Trey Baker, our QB commit, is in the state semifinals against the number one team in the state, Christian Brothers. Um, that's a big-time stage. Uh, we'll see how our – Trey Baker does. Uh, we'll update you on guys on Monday about all these guys. Uh, Connor Lair and West Plains is still alive. They are in the state um, quarterfinals against at Hannibal tonight, a really good ball club. Um, Charles Young still alive. Lutheran St. Charles, and they're playing on the road tonight. Then uh, Jimmy Lansing and Chaminade's at home tonight against an undefeated ball club. So uh, best of luck to our guys. I know we know that uh, – Brian Brown, Jalen Banks, and Ryan Chanley um, are done for this year, but we can't wait to get them here. So, uh, yeah, best of luck to all our guys tonight or and tomorrow this weekend. So uh, let's continue their strong seasons and bring home more hardware. Without a doubt, you, and you mentioned Schwindeman's season. I think that he will be an impact player, a big-time impact player. I think mainly on he can work at being a tight end. Uh, they might – I mean, we know – <clears throat> what will be in the future for the most part of defensive end. We're losing a lot. So they could put him there, and like I said, here and everywhere in the country, you could have it to where you can flip guys. Obviously, we've seen it here. But I think he's got the chance to be a big-time tight end. Uh, <clears throat> so either which way, I think he could be one of the top players we add, and you're right. All the other guys that are still playing for something, even Trey Baker, who if he's playing the number one team and he gets through them and goes and wins it all, I think that should say a lot on the future that we have for him. Uh, we've been talking about him the last couple of weeks, and if he could pull this off against that competition, that he's got a really good chance of being our quarterback down the road as he gets seasoned into our program. So, yeah, and then Jimmy, of course, uh, hopefully he keeps it up too. We remember the team picture he had on our last podcast and stuff. So those guys, everyone's having fun, and that's another more thing. Go out and have fun and uh, definitely know where you're headed after the fact, and, yeah, ha definitely have some hardware to build upon going into your freshman season next year. Uh, so now I know that segues us into uh, 10.0 Bracketology from Sam Herter because we mentioned he tweeted earlier about a refresh of it, and he posted it earlier when he, when he had it a couple days ago. He said that the last one will be up tomorrow night when the games wrap up. So let's get into that 10.0. Yeah, we know, the, we know that the uh, selection show is Sunday. And they did mention in the in the doghouse, just like last year, uh, we do know Nick Hill w did not watch last year. So uh, um, the guys from in the uh, 103.5 was 
teasing with him, saying, uh, "We'll have to call you once we find out where we go," because he didn't he didn't watch it at all last year. He had to get a phone call from somebody to let him know we were in. So, yeah, let's see where we're at. Um, last week we were in the the final four final four teams in the bracket. This week we we we've moved up and. Um, yeah, they have us hosting UT Martin, I believe it was. Winner gets Missouri State on the road. So um, you're in the same Houston, the number one seed bracket, whoever that ends up being. But um, you get a team, well, you get a really good UT Martin team that's going to come out of the bad OVC. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, that's I like that matchup against UT Martin. Then you get Missouri State. But we should have taken care of. We were up 13, 10 and a half and getting the ball out of half. We should have taken care of them on our home turf. But yeah, that's, I really like that draw. Without a doubt. <clears throat> and even Sam Houston, who we know, <clears throat> excuse me, has had a lot of close games this year and they're deserving still of the number one a team. That would be interesting because we would like our matchup in the first game, especially being at home and going at Missouri State. We know we can play with them, even though obviously they beat us. Um, we mentioned last season's game and then obviously this past season's game. Yeah, we should have honestly had a better second half and end of the first half. So I think that's one of the best case scenarios, obviously, is if you get two reasonable first round or first two round games and then getting even if it's San Houston and close to the semifinals or the quarterfinals, I think that would definitely be ideal. He says for us is seven and two against the FCS and has a win against South Dakota State. The Salukis have the ninth toughest strength of schedule. They shouldn't have a problem beating Youngstown at home to make the field a letdown performance and a loss could spell trouble since they would be losers of three of the last four games. That would be a pretty big upset, though. I don't think SIU is a loss just yet, but a win against struggling YSU is going to play a lot. Evans was saying this. It seems like it's if we win, we're in kind of thing, and it's unfortunate. We keep looking back through our season and how well, and how well we have done and our strength of schedule and the teams that we have beat, and obviously even our wins were close. Some were closer than they needed to be kind of thing. So we've had kind of that up-and-down season, the far cry from what we expected a dominant season. It looked like that at first, but, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that first two matchups would be ideal. Hopefully he's pretty accurate and we can cement this thing tomorrow. So. Yeah, looking at this, uh, looking at the rest of the bracket, sticks out to me is that southeastern Louisiana and the reigning uh, player of the year in the country, Cole Kelly, would have to go on the road at South Dakota State, then – Whoever wins that gets to go to the number two seed in Montana State. That's uh, If I'm Montana State, I'm not very happy if that ends up in my luck of the draw. Yeah, those are two dynamic offenses for sure. Yeah, if you're the number two team, yeah, you're not you're not too happy. Uh, that's, how, that's how South Dakota State's been, though. If they weren't going to get a top eight seed, you know, they were going to be that kind of, you know, it's not even a Cinderella because of how good they are. That's just how crazy it is that, yeah, whoever would unluck out and getting them, I feel bad for them. So. It is interesting. We know that Sam's pretty accurate for the most part on how everything would go down. Uh, so, interesting. You mentioned, yes, yeah, Sunday at noon is when the selection show, and obviously we got to get through tomorrow first, so we'll get to that here shortly. So, yeah, we like that. Hopefully that's something. That's what it looks like potentially on Sunday. Uh, so now, no, or wait, let's go over uh, some of the other matchups this week. Yeah, around, around the league and uh, around uh... – I think a little bit of the OBC we can go over, or the yeah, yeah the OBC because that, that's pretty close. Yeah, so it's pretty close. Then uh, around the FCS, but only non-conference game this week for the Missouri Valley and Missouri State plays a really bad Dixie State team. So um, Missouri State will get their eighth win and lock, or they're pretty much locked in. But 
get their victory going into the playoffs. Uh, the biggest game of the day, I would say, is South Dakota's on the road at North Dakota State. We know that a lot of the things I see say say that North Dakota State's already um, locked up the Missouri Valley, but if South Dakota knocks them off and we win, that means there's a four-way tie at the top of the valley. So I guess I guess tiebreaker. I don't know what the tiebreaker is, but um, there'd be a share of the valley just like there was last year. So uh, then South Dakota State hosts North Dakota. Then Western Illinois because that'll go to Northern Iowa. Indiana State has to go to Illinois State. So not a lot of good games to finish off the valley season for a lot of teams. But uh, looking at the OVC. Um, UT Martin ho or UT Martin is on the road at SEMO, so uh, I'm not sure what it ended up. Oh no, SEMO lost another game, so yeah, UT Martin has locked up the OVC. Okay, I thought I thought there was a one game difference, so I guess SEMO blew one last week. SEMO ended up three and seven on the season so far. So, so even as an at large, <clears throat> it's not likely that you. Uh, that obviously doesn't mean that you should be in the top eight because UT Martin just wasn't there and they've already locked it up. So. Um, yeah, and they've that's been a bad conference, bad games. Even yeah, they don't have any. They don't have a good resume, right? So that's reasonable. Yeah, I mean they are. I mean nine and one, the records there. They only lost to FBS Western Kentucky. Um, they they won on the road at Jacksonville State, who beat Florida State this year, who beat some quality teams in the ACC. But Jacksonville State's been really, really down this year, even though they won a big one on the road. So yeah. Um, so that's locked up from UT Martin, so they're headed to the playoffs. Even you said Jacksonville State, yeah, it's it's a shame they couldn't build off of. I'm not sure what their schedules looked at look like, but they couldn't build off of that huge Florida State win. Imagine the season they could have had. They lost the teams. Well, like we said, I remember watching the first game that was on TV back in September first. Yeah, they got shut out by UAB, and then they beat Florida State the next week, and then they you know played just eh, teams like Ken. They, well, I lost to Kennesaw State. Yeah, they lost to UT Martin. Yeah, so they just dug themselves. And we remember the season they had last year with the double quarterbacks, the season they've had. And we mentioned, uh, what was that other game that I wanted to see here? Well, a lot of these FCS teams are playing teams like Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Georgia. Uh, for this week, there was one, let me find it here, that stuck out to me for a match. I think it was just the North Dakota and South Dakota State. We know North Dakota can play – with uh, they played with us obviously, and they're at South Dakota State, so maybe not. But that's just one of those. Villanova games. and Delaware's one to watch. Delaware's uh, been decent, a really good program. They've had a down year though, but uh, if they can knock off Villanova, that hurts Villanova's playoff seed hopes. Um, Kennesaw and Monmouth play. That's a big um, where you end up in the playoffs uh, to watch out for. Mercer and ETSU is another one. Just going down through some of them. Um, I believe Davidson's locked up the Pioneer League already. Um, oh, the big one is uh, it's the rival, rival. I forget what they call this. There's a certain name for it, but uh, Montana State plays Montana, so that's a big. Yeah, I think they were talking about the Dan Patrick show, but I and like the views they were showing about the games and the snow and how cold it is up there. I forgot what they called it. Yeah, something. But definitely, it'll be an interesting game. So. And it's crazy because next time we we have a podcast, it'll be after the selection show to preview everything, whether it's the playoffs. It'll how, be the playoffs. What's that? It'll be the playoffs. Right. Uh, 
that and just obviously what the the games that we're talking about here, how what happened to warrant uh, what the playoff bracket looks like, and obviously our game itself. So it'll be a big pod on Monday. So let's jump in a little bit of this stuff. Noah, they met with Jordan Berner and David Miller in interviews this week. I had a feeling, because we'll talk about Jordan's first, that we know Gene's been talking to the players, and I know, uh, but Jordan was able to talk to Mike, and I had a film before I listened to it that hopefully it was Mike, because obviously he can bring up the Chester stuff or bring it to like a different kind of conversation than Gene could. So it was funny. They mentioned Chester at the end, but Jordan was asked – or uh, the very beginning of Mike asking him if this is actually his fa- uh, his last year, and he said, "Yeah." And he said he's kind of uh, in comparison to uh, the uh, like comparison to the game or how long it took or blah, uh, what the uh, options were for playing, uh, you know, the games and the practices of doing that compared to the game and how long. He said the years go by, the years go fast, but days are long. In terms of how quickly his career has gone by, uh, he says he's proud of never missing a game. Mike mentioned that it seems like yeah, he really hasn't missed a game. He's stayed durable, but he's been lucky in that regard. He says hey, he's felt he's been a consistent player. As Mike mentioned, where you've had about twenty tackles and about three or four sacks a season, that uh, he's definitely thought he's been con- a consistent player, especially now compared to early years. And said definitely a more smarter player. You're laughing, Mike said. Do you think you're a more smarter player? And he said, yeah, for sure, because back then he would try to blow things up with his head first and just play out of control compared to now. Uh, he said he's, he's, kind of, he's kind of more playing with his hands now the more than his head physically. Uh, he said, because Mike asked him if he's ever thought about uh, transferring at all at any point, knowing we know this for a fact that he wouldn't because of uh, the fact that he's from Chester and he's locally, and I'm sure he had a dream kind of, Especially at that level over there, I'm sure he was on a decent team and such for coming to play at SIU. I'm sure it was a dream uh, that he never thought about transferring even through all the two-win seasons. Or Mike mentioned about hanging them up at any point, which I don't know why. I guess I don't know why you would do that through the middle of a career barring injury. Like we know Bryson Strong, it's happened to him. So even when he redshirted his first year, he said he never had any doubts about where he wanted to be. And he says he will do uh, – because he asked him, obviously – if you're going to try to play at the next level enough, he says all these guys want to and expect to or will try to, and he says he will try to as well, and if he doesn't, he'll do something else. Uh, and he mentioned the the interception that came off his hands for Anthony, and he said uh, that how happy all the teammates were for him, and he said he was. He said there's no selfish guys on this team. We just want to win and have fun doing it. And he said that him and Anthony's relationship is great. They love each other. They've helped each other through these years because Mike was talking about how little Anthony speaks. He said, yeah, as a freshman, he didn't, but he's come around um, over the years, obviously. So, no, I think those will – obviously, we think of guys like Bryce, and he's gotten opportunities to show himself at the end of the season. And Quay, we know this, you know him almost leaving and not coming back. But I think Jordan and Anthony because, I mean, when I was in school, I graduated almost three years ago, and I had classes with Zevion and Jordan – so, like, seeing these guys now officially have it being almost over, I know it's it would be it would be so emotional for them, and we didn't get yeah. Zebion, Anthony, and Jordan. It feels like those three will be uh, – those will be the saddest in seeing go, but obviously we know we got more business to take care of if we take care of our own business tomorrow. Uh, so, no, it seems like – yeah, wouldn't you say Anthony, Jordan, and Zebion seems like are, like, the three main cogs because they've been here for so long. They've been the most productive – for the most part, uh, so it'll be sad seeing those three go, especially. 
Yeah, those are the they've been here for six years, and uh, yeah, it's they've been probably the three most known about players through those six years that they've been there consistently and making plays. Yeah, it's just going to be tough to see them going to go when you can't replace them. You'll just have to try a guy fill in for them or do their best at once they go because we got guys that are like a guy like Richie Haggerty can can step in there and do their best, but those guys are those three are irreplaceable in my in my book. Oh, without a doubt. And even when it seems like at times some games where they wouldn't do a whole lot just because they wouldn't be on the stat sheet that they definitely showed out and they know it's their last season, so they've all had great seasons. Uh, for the most part, yeah, it'll be it'll be sad seeing you're right. Richie will slide right in next season, and hopefully others will build around him. And we mentioned the transfer portal we've been in on. Hopefully that keeps up. Who knows what that'll happen with. And then Noah talked with David, who we know is the reigning defensive player of the week in the Valley. Gene started off by saying how awesome it is to contribute and, you know, that win and being able to have or do what he did in that game. He said it's great to contribute. Uh, he said that obviously there were a lot of worries whenever James did go down <clears throat> in terms of obviously like who's going to fill his shoes and stuff. And uh, even we were worried at that time because we were we thought we were thin at that position to start out with. And David had been getting thrown at for most of the season. Uh, but he says in order to fill James' shoes and stuff, and he's tried and contributing to, the, to help the team win, he said. Uh, but he said working with James in the offseason had helped him for this moment to step in just in case knowing that he was probably the third guy in line, and even PJ has helped him out a little bit. Uh, he said he tried. He asked him about how he got to Carbono. He said he tried out the Naval Academy to see what it would be like because of and kind of following his parents' footsteps. But he said he struggled with his mental health and staying happy overall. So he felt like he wanted to, like, you know, not have to be something, be forced to do something, wanted to be himself kind of. Uh, and he said when he took a couple games here to visit – or he was here for a visit, whatever it was, and he said he loved the atmosphere with the fans and loved the camaraderie within the team and the locker room and all this stuff, and it sold him on it right away, he said. And Gene mentioned how, yeah, it seems like all these players that come here that, uh, you know, preach the atmosphere and the family itself. Uh, and then, yeah, he just loved – he wanted to be at a place where he could be himself and show his true talent. He said the team overall and even the other transfers that have come in, like those veteran guys, have helped him make the transition a lot easier. And Gene always asks him what they're doing after school or after football in school. He said he's majoring in sports administration, which is what I did. I'm pretty sure that's what Jordan and Zebion, like I said, we had the same class together. Pretty sure they're, that's a big, within athletes, a big program. He said he would like to either be an athletic director for his high school back in Columbus, Ohio, or do something with fashion. He said he's into all that stuff. So it's fun to get to know David more. Uh, we we made a post about him on our Instagram recently about how we're, you know, congrats on it. We're not satisfied. He replied to it. So he's in a good state of mind. And uh, we mentioned how, you know, it didn't happen last week. Giannini was an interview and didn't really do anything in that win. It seems like guys we have on interviews will hopefully contribute. And it seems like David and Jordan are two key ones. So hopefully they will. So that's how those interviews went. Now no jumping into these one and six Youngstown. Yeah, one and six in conference. I believe they're two and two and seven overall. It's funny how their two wins came over two playoff teams. Um, they beat Missouri State, then they beat Incarnate Word. So uh, not a very good, not a very good football team. But uh, they got a dual threat, dual threat quarterback, and they run the ball a lot. Diametric uh, Crenshaw, their quarterback, only thrown for seven hundred yards, but he's rushed for. Um, 662 yards this year, so dual threat guy. 
Um, but they like to run the ball. Jaleel McLaughlin's our lead back. He's, he's already over 1,000 yards this year, nine touchdowns. He's averaging 106 yards a game. So uh, that's what you're going to see. Our defense is going to have a big test. Um, their leading receivers are only averaging 28 and 31 yards a game. So not a lot of passing. So our defense is maybe load the box, play. Uh, but we know Clayton and Quay like to play down the line of scrimmage already. So you could see them on more blitzes or stuff like that. So, yeah, it's they're – they're a good foot. They're a, not a very good football team, but you know you can't take anybody in this conference lightly. So uh, with the dual threat guy, and you saw what Jason Shelley did us dual threat. So uh, got to be on our toes tomorrow. Yeah, they they allow thirty seven points per game. So and we and we score 30, 34, So that's about even with where we are or have been this season. They allow uh, four hundred twenty. Or they allow 479 yards per game. We we have scored 420 on average. So stuff like that. Yeah, and you mentioned their running game over a thousand yards already. That's really really impressive. Like we said, it seems like 80 percent of the teams we played this year have been running teams, and this one will be a because we got lucky North Dakota with Otis Way not playing last week. Nothing really transpired for the Sycamores overall. They kind of penalized themselves out of the game. It seems like, but. Uh, yeah, it'll be another, you're right, stack the box, potentially have one of those games. It, I think it's that'll be the main cog in what they do for the most part. So if we can stop that, I think we have a good shot. Uh, like we said, we do not know the, uh, the spread or anything for this game like we never do for football. So a uh, quick uh, quote here from Coach Hill on their rushing game. <clears throat> they have one of the best running backs in the country. He's electrifying. He can score anytime he touches the ball. Every time you watch him, and we've seen him quite a bit on film, he has something special. You think you have him wrapped up, and then you don't. Everything is going to be important in this game. Everything matters in this week. In this week overall, uh, so he's right on that. Obviously, a win and get in kind of thing. So it's important no matter what, no matter who who you're playing, no matter uh, obviously the season that they've had. So yeah, overall, I think that'll be the biggest thing: stopping the run. So we'll get in our picks here in a second. No, it says it'll be. Uh, partly cloudy and 56 by game time tomorrow, 13 mile an hour wind. So that's good for the people that are going out there. They mentioned the $10 tickets. If you use the promo code senior and it ends, it ended at 5 PM. So about an hour and 45 minutes uh, ago. So hopefully people got that. Uh, we talked about how it's unfortunate we can't go. So Noah, let's get into these. Uh, well, let's get into the dogs of the game and then we'll get our score predictions. Yeah. Offensive dog. Let's start with the offensive. Uh... Um, senior day, so I'm going out. He's he's one of the best receivers ever to play here, and I'm going to go with Landon Lenore to finish off a good, strong season for him. Yeah, we talked about how we didn't have a catch last week, which is unfortunate, but he didn't care, and the team doesn't care as long as we win. He's already built his legacy. I like that pick. Because uh, we're thinking he's going to get open a lot, whether they force it to him or not. But definitely, like that pick, and you going with the senior, I definitely agree. I think because he knows <clears throat> how important uh, – the uh you know how it is and how it's been coming here and how he's done in his time here uh because he was at that dinner and stuff i'm sure he's appreciated everything that's happened i'll go with one of our running backs and donovan knowing this is the last time well if we get that home playoff game won't be the last time he plays there but how much gratitude he has for the program that he'll try to show out in this game being on senior day as well uh what about defense defense a lot of options here a lot of seniors here. yeah defense uh you got those two guys that's been here forever. 
Um, but this guy has only been here for a year, and he's been very impactful for us, and it's a good run game, so Kevin Glacier. Good pick. We know he's kind of built up himself from where he was to start the year. He was on fire to start the year, dealt with injury, had a forced fumble last week, so now he's back. I do like that pick. I will go with, because it also matters in the run game, I'll go with Bryce, because I think being senior day and him getting recognized like the, like all the others are, that he'll be fired up, jacked up to probably lead us in tackles. I would say that him or Quay, even at third level Quay, getting a lot of tackles that they have that good of a run. And we know our, our run defense has been spotty this year. If they can get to that third level, Quay will have a lot of opportunities. But I'll go with Bryce, making it where he doesn't get to the third level and lead us in tackles. So those are our picks there. Special teams, like I said, 13 mile an hour win potentially. Who you got special teams? Yeah, it's interesting. We talk about these two senior special teams guys who's been very impactful for us, but uh, didn't see either of them in pictures last night. Um, so uh, I know Cole, Cole Stewart's there, who's listed as a junior. He hasn't made his decision. I wonder if that has anything to do with it, or they might have, a cl- might have class. I don't know. Some of them have night classes. But, yeah, it was interesting, but uh, I'm going with Nico. Yeah, I think yeah, Nico was in one of the pictures. He wasn't in the or yeah. It's interesting seeing Jack because we know he's a senior. We don't think he's coming back, so that is weird that he mentioned night classes. I'm not sure exactly, and it's definitely a fair point. So yeah, I mean, I feel like you got to go with one of our. I feel like they will punt a lot, so I'll go with Javon just to get something going because he took it down. He took punts uh, last week when he had those opportunities and then punting a lot. So hopefully. He'll get a little more opportunities, hopefully. And we mentioned how sometimes it can lead to disaster. Hopefully he doesn't get hurt. Last regular season game of the year on that stuff, but I'll go with him. Uh, no, obviously we don't know the spread. We're thinking it's pretty big, us being at home and them being the team that they are. Uh, what do you think? What are your picks here? Uh, I got a uh, – basically with my spread here, I would probably take the minus and the over. I got the a win, 42-17. That's nice. I was actually just thinking in my head about a 45 to 13. So we both have almost about a about a 30 point victory. Seems about right with what day it is, what's on the line. I could see us coming out firing. Hopefully not trying to do too much to where it screws us over, kind of. But uh, definitely seems reasonable with those picks. And all I wanted to add that Russ Eisenstein, who is a Chicago or Ohio based, he's the voice of the Ohio Bobcats. He's been doing. He's like a national guy. Does a lot of games. We talked about how Mike is with uh, uh, Coach Watson tonight for basketball and through the uh, Virgin Islands, and he's doing that. We wonder if he'd be doing the radio, and he's doing it with Gene. So he said that's off of doing about 20 hours. He's done two games, Ohio at Kentucky, and then this game. So it's good to have Russ. Um, I'm sure he'll do a great job. Couldn't, couldn't pry away the big-time Connor Onion for one day. Exactly. Connor Onion's getting paid the big bucks from the Big Ten, it appears, and doing a great job. So. Uh, yeah, we think that even though we know at Mike's age and he loves it and I'm sure he doesn't have really any immediate plans to retire or anything, we thought Connor Onion would end up being the future boy, but he's better on TV than radio, but being like the future voice of SIU, well, obviously that's not here yet. We don't even want to talk about that and Mike Reese's time here. So, uh, yeah, uh, Russ, we know we'll have a feeling he'll do a really good job, so. Uh, definitely a good pod. Like we said, we won't talk to you guys again until after the bracket is out. The day after the bracket is out, so there'll be a lot to talk about on that Monday. So uh, so definitely tune in then. Follow us on Instagram, Dogs Podcast. We both have 30-point victories. Senior day, everybody show out. $10 tickets, promo code SENIOR. If you hadn't already, that ended about two hours ago. 
So hopefully you did. Uh, like I said, we will be tweeting, tweeting away while working, not going. It's sad, but hopefully they gave us a decent time for a home playoff game if that's the case. So, Fornick Malone. No alerts. We'll see you guys on Monday. Go dogs.